Okay, and welcome to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Today in the podcast, we have my dad, the second person to ever meet me. What an honor that is for him. On today's podcast, we're going to talk all about hunting. Everything to do with it, all the hunts he's been on, the places he hunts, the tools he uses, and the good times that are had by all. Before we get into that, though, I've got some uh, podcast catch-up, some podcast cleanup to do um, from previous podcasts. A few listener questions and comments, uh, a voicemail from Gaber. Later in the pod, we're going to open up the hunting mailbag with my dad, but right now we're going to focus on questions from prior podcasts. Uh, Jordy asked in the Peloton slash Nintendo 64 podcast, how well the 1020 or the 220 by 1020 goal was going. And I'm going to be honest, it has not been a great success. Uh, I just weighed myself sitting at 235 right now before I ate the rest of a bag of chips. So we can probably round it up to 236. Um, Not outside of my striking distance for weight loss and getting back into shape, but if Peloton would like to send me a free bike, it would probably help. Uh, Last weekend's podcast is all about our trip to Nashville. Turns out the Music City is loud and I'm old. I had a great time. Unfortunately, our favorite hockey team, the University of North Dakota, lost. I think it was 6-4 to four in the end. Uh, empty net goal late. I gotta say, Penn State plays a very pleasing attacking style. The game really flies when they're out there putting on high pressure, dumping pucks deep, chasing them down. I, I had a great time. Wasn't happy we lost. But uh, they, you know what? I'm not on the team, so I can't control that. It was nice to meet Britt and Aaron. First time met them. Um, great to meet our friends, significant others. Got to see Lauren again. I only met her a couple of times. Britt actually requested, and it got played at the, I think it was the Jason L. Dean Bar, Party in the USA, which is my all-time number one party song. One of the best jams about Nashville probably ever written. Learned a lot of other stuff while I was there. First of all, I'm not good at country music because I'm way too big. We went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it turns out everybody in the Country Music Hall of Fame is smaller than my left arm. Unless they're doing some funny mannequin fitting with the clothing, I'm way too big to be a country music star. I learned mechanical bulls are extremely dangerous. Uh, This poor woman got bucked off and nothing good happened from it. One thing I'll also do, never taunt the person running the mechanical bull. They have your life in their hand. One flick of the wrist, you're flying off. The bar was fun. The music was, was pretty darn good. They're, they're always impressive there. I, I can't say enough about how good they are at music. The Airbnb had a great location. We were out sort of in East Nashville across the Cumberland River. Had some interesting Uber drivers, some good, some bad. I'll leave that off the podcast. Um, we were within walking distance of a brewery, of a couple of restaurants. The only downside to our Airbnb was the nail at the top of the stairs. I hope people at the Airbnb uh, got Steve's message to pound that nail back in. That's extremely dangerous. And the only other bad part about the Airbnb was the non-functioning oven and the extremely well-functioning fire alarm. Two people tried to cook a pizza. Yeah, late in the evening. And though there was no smoke, nor was there fire, the fire alarm went off wildly. Uh, Nashville's a great city. Not sure the next time I'll come visit. 
fix your stoves or fix your fire alarms before I come back again. But Steve, great job picking out the Airbnb. Uh, plenty of room, nice places to sit, well done. Before I leave the Nashville part of the podcast, uh, Jordy has a little response to Steve talking about the tickets to the hockey game. Jordy's message says, and I quote, Hello, this is a question. I'm sorry, this is not a question. You know what? I can't read very well. Here we go. Jordy's message. Hello, this is a question, but also a general statement. What did you expect putting me in charge of ordering tickets? Of course I was going to screw it up, but you have to admit the seats weren't terrible. Keep up the good work on the pod, and if you ever need another boost in listenership, I'm always available. Friend of the pod, Jordan. Jordy, thanks for coming on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's still our most listened to episode. I have to say the seats were very good. They were cleverly located at the end of an aisle, connected on the backside by the bathrooms for the men and the ladies, and a great spot to get fresh beers. So well done on the tickets. It, it was a little bit difficult to watch it um, higher up, only because you could watch the play develop, and Penn State's constant attacking style almost gave me a heart attack. There were, there were palpitations, I'm not going to lie. All in all, the trip to Nashville was a great success. I'm excited to see Nashville's airport get its improvements finally. Before we jump entirely into the hunting pod, we're going to throw in a Gaber's voice message about his Nintendo 64 playing. So after Gaber's voicemail plays, we'll jump directly into the hunting pod. Thanks, guys. So I finally got to listen to you and Jordy on the podcast. And you're right. I was the worst Mario Kart 64 player in our group. I would like to note that since then, when I'm playing with none of you, I've been undefeated. Nobody's beat me. I feel like I'm an elite player except compared to you guys. That's all. All right. Thank you, Gabriel, for that voicemail. It's actually pretty exciting that we have the ability to put voice messages on the podcast. If anybody wants to send a voice message, just send me a text before. Say, don't answer your phone. Then send me a voicemail, and I'll put it on the podcast. I got more questions for Gabriel. I'll bring him on uh, later in the year to talk about late cabins. I'd like to know who's pl- who he's playing. Who is Tyler going up against, or is it just the computer? Or I guess the Nintendo 64. Either way, I'm glad you responded, and I can't wait to have you on the podcast to defend yourself, defend yourself in person. Now, we're going directly to the hunting pod. All right. Today, on this episode of Fend for Yourself Friday... We have my dad. Dad, are you there? Yeah. Hi, James. Good to hear you. You sound great on the phone. <laughs> Thanks. How hard was it to get it set up yesterday? Uh, it took a little work because uh, I'm not as tech savvy as I once was. When were you tech savvy? Uh, when you could put a record on a turntable and lift the stylus and slide it over and drop it down. Then I was you, tech savvy. 
you do have very good taste in music. That is true. <laughs> oh, thanks. So you are my dad, and you are a teacher in Drayton, correct? Yes, sir, I am. And you're partially retired now? Yep, mostly retired. I only uh, work three days uh, or three hours a day. So you leave the house at 8 o'clock and you're back at 11 and don't do any other work after that? Oh, I mess around the house here doing this and that, some yard work and uh, whatever else. Bus driving, coaching. Yeah, I've been driving a lot of uh, bus in the mornings and after school, filling in for a, for a guy who's been off uh, harvesting sugar beets and spreading fertilizer. So uh, drive to like uh, kids to practice and that kind of stuff too, so. Yeah, staying, staying pretty busy, actually. And it's not your first year at Drayton High School, is it? No, I started in fall of 1980. So that would be 42 years. Yep, that would be correct. That is a, that's a long time. That's a lifetime, yep. And now you conveniently work with your wife, who is also my mom. Yes, that's right. And she works part-time, and she works from about 8 to 12.30, but only monday through thursday so she's got fridays off so you guys actually went on a, a little atv trip a couple of weeks ago didn't you on, on a school day yeah on a wednesday afternoon uh, when it wasn't busy up north up in Wahala and the, the hills up there and the newman dolls and stuff uh, yeah we took a cruise up there on the trails and our side by side it was beautiful up there a nice day and Went during the middle of the week, so it wasn't a big crowd up there because it gets to be a lot of people up there, uh, you know, taking those trails and seeing because it's one of the only places in North Dakota that really isn't that flat. It has trees. That That is true. It is a flat land back home. That is for sure. Yeah. Other than this, and you know, got the Turtle Mountains by Botno and Dunseith Belcourt area, and then you've got the Badlands out the western part of the state. So otherwise pretty flat country here in north dakota how much would you say you know and know about north dakota and its geography uh, i'm fairly well versed in geography so if it was like a bell curve you'd be closer to the middle or further to the right or left well, i'd be further to the to the right i would say i would think you'd be about as far to the right as possible <laughs> is is north dakota history your favorite subject to teach uh yeah that's one of my favorite subjects and then uh also like economics and government. I like to teach those too as well. So yeah, pretty much, you know, I get kind of excited about all of them. Uh, you know, I like to talk a lot about the constitution. It, it seems like a time everybody wants to talk about that now. Yeah. I would still think you're probably on the far right hand of the bell curve as far as understanding that as well. <laughs> well, I've been doing it for a lot of years. So one of your favorite topics to talk about though, is the North Dakota or is that the ox cart? Yeah, ox cart trails, ox cart, what impact they had on the fur trade and the rendezvous region, which I grew up in, growing up in Wahala, and Drayton is on the edge of the rendezvous region. You know, Pemina County is kind of the center of that with the Métis from the Pemina region and up north uh, into Canada towards Winnipeg. So ox cart trails, you know, uh, went not too far from where I grew up in Wahala and went right down along the Red River here by Drayton. So, yeah, so it's nice to talk about that two-wheeled cart. The invention of the Métis rode high on its wheels, you know, so it could uh, go across streams and over bumps. And But it was loud. They say you could hear it for miles. I guess it keeps the critters away, but attracts other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Before anything else you want to say before we start talking about hunting, any exciting going on up there? Uh, no, not too much going on up here right now. Basically just deer hunting. Deer hunting is going to get started this weekend in North Dakota. Yep. So, so this is a question that I haven't asked you yet. I just sort of thought of it. What is your favorite time of the year? Track season or hunting season? Oof. Ah, <laughs> uh, he put me in a spot here. That's a pretty tough one. Uh, I enjoy them both. Track season's longer than uh, deer hunting, but yeah. Uh, evidently, I've been known to get pretty passionate about both of those things. So, yeah, I would say they're both right up there. Probably track season, you know, because you're coming out of winter and you're, you know, getting back outside and, you know, fun to get out there and work with the kids and, you know, stay active in the coaching part. So, well, that's yeah, nice. that's nice to hear. Keeps you young. So my, my wife is concerned that the weather's going to be bad for you. What's weather going to be like this weekend? <laughs> weather's going to be ridiculously warm for this time of year. Going to be uh, in the mid to upper 50s on uh, the weekend, Saturday and Sunday especially, and starting to warm up on Friday. Well, it's going to be unseasonably warm for deer hunting. And you do not like that, correct? Well, I prefer it a little on the colder side. That being said, I don't like it when it's 20 below and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. So that gets pretty harsh deer hunting then. Yeah, that makes it a lot less fun. How many years have you been hunting? Oh, a lot. I don't know. Um, 50? Yeah, sure. That sounds like a good number. I'd say it's at least 50. Nah, probably not 50 because I'm only 65. Not deer hunting, but, you know, when I was younger... Uh, so, you know, yeah, good 45 in there for sure. Do you, do you have any idea how many deer you've taken, you've harvested? Oh, I have no idea. Been pretty fortunate, uh, to have taken a, quite a few over the years. Um, you get a, a license more often than not. Been pretty lucky in North Dakota to get a deer license on a fairly regular basis. And I, I'll take, uh, you know, like a first choice for antler and second choice for uh, antlerless. So then I have a little better chance of getting one each year. Uh, Maybe not my first choice, but, you know, with the lottery system in North Dakota, there's some years where you just, you know, people just don't get them. And when you say hunting in North Dakota, so. People probably don't understand that antlered and antlerless are because some does do have antlers and some bucks do not have antlers. Correct. Correct. You know. Beaver Sometimes shot. that happens, genetic, uh, you know, slight genetic misfunction there. So that's why they go by that antlerless and antlered. That's it's actually kind of interesting. I, I didn't know that until I was like 17. So one of your biggest passions during the summer months is looking for deer. Have you been looking this year? Been pretty busy this summer. I did a little, uh, was pretty busy this summer. Uh, worked a lot this summer uh, doing a variety of different things so uh didn't get much chance to get out and look for deer very much at all a few times this summer but uh not as often as i i would have liked to but did make a few trips around down by the farm when we were there visiting and and got to go out some well that's always a good thing are you you guys have any do you and i'm going to say kurt is kurt hunting with you this year i assume yep yep kurt's got tag do you guys have any specific deer you're looking for any, no, any deer have, got your eye? Don't have our eye on any anything specific this year. Uh, 
uh, hasn't been a lot of a lot of them showing up on a regular basis. So um, not like years ago when uh, was after that one I called the Big White for several years. Uh, saw him numerous times and uh, never did get him. And I don't know if anybody ever did. It was your white whale. Yeah, but uh, he eluded us forever. It's, it's, I mean, good for the deer, bad for your wall, I guess. Ah, uh, well, that's, that's the nature of the game. It's hunting. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no, yeah, it's, you're always yeah, a pretty good sport. Of, you know, just getting out there and uh, enjoying nature. That's the biggest part of it. And you enjoy nature. You go and you walk. Yep. I like to get out and, and walk now. I don't walk as well as I used to years ago, obviously, with two artificial hips, but I still try to get out there and walk. Uh, tough to just sit in one place all day long. I don't necessarily like to do that. Now, with it going to be as nice as it's going to be this week, it's going to be a nice nice weekend to get out and walk and you know, maybe sit here and there along a hill or along the river trees and you know, take a guy's time and see what's out there moving around. I, I can see that, but I've always liked to walk when I go. I can't sit still very well, if you've ever noticed that. Yep, yeah, we, we did a lot of walking, which is fun. And neither of us are exactly quiet by any stretch of the, the <laughs> no, imagination. We, we may not be the quietest hunters. That's we want to make sure they have a fair, a fair chance to hear us coming, you know, a good half mile away. So It's only fair. Yeah. Where are you staying this year? I'm going to stay in town with uh, Kurt and Janet. Okay, that's nice. And we used to stay at Grandma's. Yeah, we stayed there for years. Yep. But now, now you're at Janet and Kurtz. He's also wonderful. Um, yep. What unit are you guys hunting in this year? We hunt 2F1. What a great name for a unit. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of strange <laughs> numbers and letters in uh, North Dakota units. So a lot of many, units in the state. Do you know how many there are? Oh, I don't know how many there are offhand, no. Do you know how many counties there are? 53 counties in North Dakota, the same number as Pennsylvania. And why is that? Because when they founded North Dakota, they thought it was going to be a transportation hub and center of industry uh, like Pennsylvania. I mean, they were sort of right about agriculture, not so right about transportation, though. Yeah, we are in the center of North America, however, and the center of North Dakota, or center of the United States, but just have to be in the very top center of the United States. Um, what is the geographical center of North America? Well, people say it's rugby, North Dakota. Do you believe them? It's pretty darn close to uh, out there in rugby of North Cong- America. Congratulations, listener Max, on your hometown rugby getting a shout out. <laughs> All right. We, 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 we inside 2F1, and we're not even going to get into the reason they didn't just count them one through however many they have. They decided to use letters and numbers because I don't know why they did that. But within 2F1, where's your favorite location to hunt? Oh, man. Um I guess I'd say uh, I like to be down along the river in the big uh, south pasture there. There's a little narrow piece where the river comes right out almost to the pasture. And there's a little peninsula that uh, juts back. I like to be right around in that area quite a bit. Uh, that's kind of my like uh, spot I like to go to. And I like to wander around that little area down there and by that peninsula and, and sit there sometimes and so i kind of like to be down in that little spot uh, uh it, it is a beautiful location along the river there it, it yep. truly is yep 
Now, my personal favorite, can you guess what it is? Nope. Oh, it's definitely the Broody Thicket. Oh, the Broody Thicket. Well, we can't even hunt oh, that. Oh, but... not that one. What's the one that's by Ostrid's house that you can't hardly oh, walk through? Oh, that's... Uh... That thicket is uh, on Vernon Inns, Ensrudes. I don't know what they call it. That's, that is a thick piece. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's your favorite. I'm going to start <laughs> calling it the Broody Thicket Rita, just because I always think it's called the Broody Thicket, but it's not. Uh, so I'm just going to no, call it. No, we don't hunt that. That's across the draw from us. Uh, this is a thicket on Vernon Ensrudes, just super thick. Yeah, triangle-shaped thing. I don't even bring a gun in there when I go in there. I just walk through it. Yeah, I mean, it's virtually impossible. I mean, thorn bushes in there and the stream's running and it is thick in there. Cattails around it. Do you remember the time I got cattail fuzz in my contact lens? Yep. That almost killed me. <laughs> and since I wasn't old enough to think about bringing a pair of glasses, I don't know how I forgot my glasses perpetually growing up, but that was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. That was awful. Well, you were never quite known for being the world's greatest packer. Now I'm not sure. Maybe that has changed over the years. That has decidedly changed. I've got I pack plenty. Okay. I've learned enough hard lessons to to <laughs> not forget stuff. Well, good for you. When you hunt, what are some of the tools you like to use? Well, my binoculars. I have a spotting scope. Uh, don't use that a lot, but sometimes. Uh, then of course my rifle and then uh you know i have a knife and a, a little sagan saw thing looks like a hacksaw blade on it and use those for field dressing the animals and um those are the main ingredients the boots especially you, if it's cold have you ever had a hard time getting your boots off <laughs> yes you know that is true i've had a difficult time getting my boots off i have some tight fitting boots and uh uh so they don't come off if I happen to get stuck in the muck, you know, down in this cattail slough. You don't want to have loose boots because then they're going to suck your boots right off. Uh, but, they, uh, yeah, I've got a boot jack now. I keep that handy so I can use that to help get my boots off. Uh, it's gotten increasingly more difficult with, uh, you know, the hip replacements. I don't bend as well as I used to, but... I remember there was one time there was a crisis where it took several people to get the boots off, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Years ago. And I think one time on the way there, actually, you were putting change back in your pocket and the change fell in the seatbelt and your seatbelt got locked in place. Uh, that might have happened, yeah. yeah. It might not have been for deer hunting, but I think about that a lot because, as you know, I'm petrified of being locked inside things. <laughs> you um, are. You don't like an elevator anywhere. I don't like I in the elevator at the Country Music Hall of Fame this weekend. It was like we we went to step on it and it dropped down like a quarter of an inch. Not oh, I, I didn't enjoy that not one bit. No. The only place I'll get on, on an elevator confidently is when I'm at work, because if I figure if I get stuck inside there, at least I'm getting paid. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I am still terrified. I'll never forget when that coin fell into your seatbelt. I'd have been cutting it off with that second saw immediately. No, it uh, that happens. Now I just put my change in a little change slot down there on the council on the pickup, so don't have to worry about that. 
Speaking of your pickup, which which of your vehicles for hunting is your favorite hunting vehicle? Are you going to take out your Ranger this year? Is there is it a Ranger? Or it's a it's a it's Kawasaki. a uh, Kawasaki mule, but it is a side by side like a Ranger, but only it's a Kawasaki. Uh, nope, nope. I'll leave that in the shed here and at home, and uh, I'll take my pickup and go hunting. So your beige pickup now? Yeah, my beige pickup. You've had several pretty fun hunting vehicles. Yep. You had the Blue Ranger. Yes, sir. Whatever happened to that thing? Uh, I sold it for $1,000. I mean, $1,000 when you sold it was kind of a lot of money. Yep. I mean, I, I remember it was there a long time. You had it for many years. Yep. Long, long time. Then, then you had the, did you ever take the Explorer, or as I affectionately called Dora? Nope, nope, didn't take Dora hunting. It never got to go, did it? Nope, nope. I usually used to pick up or when we didn't have one, if we took a car or something, you know, or explore something to the farm, then Grandpa always had a pickup, so. That's very true. Yeah, go with Grandpa in the pickup, so if we didn't have to haul, uh, if we got anything, you didn't have to haul it on the vehicle. Did we ever take Mom's ZX2 hunting? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I was, I was I was too busy driving that into the ditch because it was a, a manual. That's that's right. That we never, we didn't take that one. No, no, but that would be pretty low to the ground for a, a hunting vehicle. And then you had the green pickup for quite a few years. You had the green pickup for a long time. And now you got the beige pickup. Yep. But you also had a midnight. I had a red Nissan. You had a red Nissan. When was this? Oh. You might have been just barely born back then when I had the red Nissan. I, I was personally thinking about your midnight blue Chevy Suburban. Oh, no, that didn't. That wasn't a hunting vehicle for me. You took it uh, one year. We we took it to the, the Boundary Waters. We did, and it was a heck of a car. It was so big. Yeah. One of the biggest vehicles that was pretty much ever made. Oh yeah, there. Those old ones they were big and. Solidly built and good on gas. <laughs> no, not good on gas. You sold it to Kurt, didn't you? Uh, yes, Kurt bought it. Does he still have it? No, he's uh sold that and bought another suburban. Shuffling suburbans, I, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> so we, when we talked about tools a few, a few minutes ago. Which is your favorite gun you've ever had? Oh. I would have to say probably that 243, one of the first guns I bought when your mom and I first got married. We were married maybe a year or two, and I bought that. Yep. Uh, Is it a light gun? It's a light gun, flat shooting pretty fast. Uh, so I, I, I too, gun. I always like that gun. It's a very nice gun. Yeah. Doesn't have too much kickback. No. Nothing fancy to look at. But got the got the job done. Now you've got a two seventy, correct? Yep. It's a Winchester. Oh uh, yes, it is. Look at me knowing my guns. <laughs> Does anybody use my Tika? Nope. Uh, last year, your uncle Jay did. I'm glad he did because I can't. It's harder to get home now to go. It's hard to get. A, it's almost impossible to get a license. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard, especially out of state. It's super hard. You know, such a limited number of out of state tags. Especially because I never know when the draws up. I always think it's like end of July or end of June, but it's the beginning of June. Yeah, 
Yeah, very early in June. Which is why I always miss it. It's also very expensive. It's like $500 to enter the draw. Oh, and that you get, gets pricey for out of state. You get yeah, it back. You got to fly home and, and all those things all adds up. That's exactly right. The hardest part is taking work off, of course. But Yeah, yeah, time off. So speaking of just general hunting, what's the biggest buck you've ever shot? Uh, biggest one at the rack is, uh, what is he? He's a six by four. So he's 10 pointer. It's pretty high, fairly wide. Do you happen to know what year that was? Oh, I do not remember what year that was. I, I don't know. It's been a long, been a long time. So the biggest deer that I was there with that you shot is the time that you, Jamie, and I got out in, in that field by, uh, I guess it'd be north of Matt's new house. Yep. And there was a big buck running. It's probably 300 plus yards away. What's well, a long shot? Is that accurate? It was far. Yeah, it was a long shot. Yeah. So you safely, because one thing you're always about is safety and not breaking the rules. I am saying that wholeheartedly you are a, 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 a i'm saying this in no way sarcastically a true sportsman you take it seriously you don't take shots you shouldn't take you don't yeah. you're always trying to make give the animal the cleanest kill exactly and following literally every rule which is yep. of course good but you park the pickup and get out and you are cracking off three four shots and i don't think jamie and i who are at this time she might be uh, between 18 and 20 and I'm between I don't know, 14 and 16, somewhere in that era. So we're a lot sprier, a lot faster than you are probably. <laughs> uh, but you've cracked off four shots before uh, Jamie and I are even out of the car. Now, uh, part of that is because I'm pretty sure both of us were confident. We couldn't hit the deer from that far away, <laughs> uh, but you shot several times. And we decided we better go look for it. And how much time do you think we spent before we found the blood trail? Oh, well, we had to walk across that CRP field there, across that field, and then get over to a fence line. It took us a while to get over there, you know, probably 10 minutes. And then, I don't know, we walked for a while. And uh, I don't know, it might have been you that found the blood trail along the fence line there, I think. It was 100% me, one of my greatest hunting memories. Yes, you were a good tracker, and then you tracked him. I suppose it took us uh, maybe a half hour, do you think, to find him? We did, and he was expiring, and we it took care of it. He got, I mean... Yeah, he was pretty much done for when we found him, laid by a, up against a uh, fallen tree. That was one of the, the most exciting hunts I've ever been on. Yeah, and it was fun to share it with you and Jamie, you know, and being out there. Now, not every time we've got a crack at a big deer does it always go so well. <laughs> nope. I, I will never forget the time you, Robin, and I had a shooting gallery, again, safely, uh, into an abandoned gravel pit, so there was nothing dangerous about what we were doing. But uh, I think we shot about 20 rounds at one deer, and, and nobody could find the mark. Well, I'm not sure we shot that many times, but we, we shot at him numerous times, and uh, he just kept going. Um... I don't know. He was, uh, if he was a running back, he'd have been over a thousand yard rusher because he was going full out and he was dodging everything there was. No. Yeah. That I, was a nice deer to it. Yeah. We didn't, uh, we didn't knock him down. In our defense, we were above him, which is harder to judge the height and he's running. 
and he kept running back and forth. He was running left and then I would miss right and he'd run back left. And then I bet he made about three, four rounds in front of us. Well, not quite that many, but he made a couple rounds there. And then, uh, then he was like, uh, I think he turned around, stuck his tongue out and said, ah, we'll see you guys. I, I think that is true. He, uh, he was, he eluded us. Uh, and I don't think anybody ever got him either. Didn't so, hear anybody getting them that year. So. People, most people, well, some people will know this. Not everybody will. Is it easier to shoot a deer standing still or when it's running? Oh, standing still. If you can get a standing shot, yeah, for sure. Now you that's have... that's the best type of type of shot to take. Yes, there are some shots that they're running away. It's very very hard to hit. You you make a pretty good grunting noise to get them to stop. I've seen you do that a couple of times. Yep. There was one kind of by the old tree climb, which is another one of my favorite places to hunt. Yeah, what a mine too. Such a great name. I also like going out in front of grandma's house. Um, you'd always have me walk the shelter belt to the north of their house. I'm not really sure why you did that because it didn't seem very effective ever. <laughs> you, you never know where they're going to be. I think you were just cold and didn't want to walk for a few minutes. <laughs> well, you're uh, younger. You got to get your exercise. I want to make sure you stay in shape. That's true. And I do like walking. So no, no harm, uh, no foul for sure. Do you know, what's your favorite weekend to hunt? Well, I like the second weekend is probably been the weekend that has been the luckiest, I would say. So now why is that? I don't know why that is. Uh, the first weekend, you know, is fun too, because it used to be, uh, you know, everybody was there the first weekend. So that was always fun, you know together at grandpa and grandma's uh second weekend uh seemed like the weekend i was more lucky at getting deer for whatever reason uh, for, for sure i always have better like the second weekend as well the first weekend was always the hunter's feed and breakfast hunter's breakfast and peaking yep yeah nothing made those women happier than loading me up on on a sausage yeah sausage and pancakes and with scrambled eggs I always ate it. I probably shouldn't have eaten the sausage, but I didn't want to hurt their feelings. It's more important that they're happy. <laughs> you, you were so kind to those ladies. Well, they were nice ladies, including yes. my grandmother. It, it was truly an enjoyable, an enjoyable event all the way yeah, around. Yeah, it always was, and it uh, lasted for years. And then when um, you know, it uh, got tougher to get tags, you know, there was fewer people coming back, so there were fewer people to go there for that breakfast, so that they just stopped doing it because they weren't getting a getting enough clientele to come in to have breakfast, but people would come from quite a, you know, quite an area because it was an annual event, you know, and, and for a good cause. So, and then like, uh, when you were younger, mom would, uh, after your kids got up, she'd go there with the kid, with you guys and other people would be there with their kids. So people got to visit and, you know, catch up on people they hadn't seen for a year or so. So that was always nice. At the hunter's breakfast, who would pay? Well, grandpa or grandma always have you ever like... been able to draw to the checkbook faster than they are no no it's, happen. it's impossible i think your grandma uh she probably paid for it before we ever got there or grandpa just said it was just a standing thing uh it's taken care of so yeah I, so i learned that lesson from you guys that there's just no point in trying to beat my in-laws to pay for the check <laughs> which is why i'm always gracious enough to let jim bender pick oh there you go <laughs> Um, all that you'll, is you'll is, get your opportunity. Oh, I hope so. I'm excited for that opportunity. When 
the second weekend, what is the highlight of the second weekend, at least as far as I'm concerned? As far as you're concerned, the highlight of the second weekend is the wild uh, game feed sponsored by the Peak and Rod and Gun Club. <clears throat> no question, that is your absolute favorite part of deer hunting, I would say. Just, just talk a little bit about this event. Uh, it's an annual event now. It's been postponed the last couple of years because of COVID, but it is going to be on again this year. Second weekend on Saturday night, it's a wildlife feed, uh, and then usually a Ducks Unlimited uh, auction is included in that. Um, and people bring food. Um, it's potluck. Uh, it's not very expensive uh, to go in and eat. And there's everything, wild game. Uh, we always break a turkey. Uh, Grandma always did, and then and Grandpa, and then uh, Grandma and I did for years after Grandpa was gone. And so that's one thing. We, but there's everything there. There's from bear to there's been alligator and moose and elk and partridge and pheasant, uh, deer, of course, wild boar. Sometimes I mean it's you name it. Over the years, has been just a array of of foods there, and it's, they're delicious. It's a ten out of ten event. Yeah, people prepare them, you know, on recipes that they have. So it's that's kind of fun. It's it's truly a perfect event. I, I couldn't even I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, your nephew Alex, uh, in the in the mailbag, we'll get to it in a little bit. But he asked, "What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten at the game feed?" The weirdest thing I've ever eaten there? Yep, alligator. Yeah, was, uh, there was an alligator. I think it was an alligator chili one time, or maybe it was deep fried alligator. Yeah, there was alligator there. Uh, a couple times there's been alligator there. I would say that's the weirdest thing I've had. Good, too. It's not, I mean, you wouldn't yeah. eat it every day, but. No, but it's something different, yeah. It was good. I definitely, definitely love the uh, the game feed. Yeah. Uh, how will being semi-retired affect your hunting this year? Uh, not going to affect it a whole lot because I, I do work five days a week, so. uh and then, uh, you know, so it's a couple hours to to get out to the farm to hunt. So, yeah, I won't go during the, the week unless we have days off. So, uh, you know, it won't affect it a whole lot differently. So one thing I will I actually commend you on is even when it's, I think it's Memorial Day is in November, correct? No, no, it's Veterans Day. I'm sorry, Veterans Day. I'm sorry, Veterans Day is in November. I get those confused every time. Uh, you would always take time up from hunting to take Grandma to the Veterans Supper, which I always or Veterans Lunch. Yeah, Veterans Supper thing. Uh, um, you know, her and Grandpa went all the time, and then after he passed away, then um, she was looking for somebody to go with. So Grandma and I went for a number of years there, and uh, I always enjoyed it. They always had speakers and stuff, and. Uh, yeah, it was kind of got to be a nice uh, evening for Grandma and I to go there and uh, and spend. And, you know, she got to be with her, her friends and everything and visit. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And I think she did, too. I always thought that was really nice. It's very nice to go for you guys. Yep. Uh, what are you making to eat this year? Uh, this year I am going to make, and this kind of ties into something you had a while ago. So I'm this actually make... comes from this question actually comes from me and Paige and Alex. Everybody wants to know what you're what you're going to eat. I'm going to make a 
cast iron skillet, tater tot <laughs> breakfast casserole. Please describe it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to use ham. You can use sausage, ham, bacon, whatever you want. Um, and then you cook that in your cast iron skillet. So I'm going to use ham. And then you put in about eight eggs. And you, or you mix up eight eggs and some milk and stuff. You know, it's like you're making a giant omelet kind of type thing. And then after you've got your meat heated up and in that cast iron skillet, then you pour in this egg concoction with a few tater tots on it in it and you mix that all up and then you layer tater tots on top of it and you put a little bit of uh, cheddar cheese in there with the with the egg mix stuff and then you layer it with tater tots and then you shove it in the oven right in the cast iron skillet and uh, well after you put uh, you also put tater tots around the top. You can make them into a knife design or just randomly throw them on there. I might be creative and make them circular around the top so it looks looks pretty. And then when it's just about done, then you put more uh, cheddar cheese on top. So it's a giant egg bake made in a cast iron skillet. When you say giant, now you are pretty well known for making things in large quantities. Uh, that That is some truth to that. I like to you know, make sure there's plenty to go around and some leftovers. So, uh, this is a big skillet. So yeah, it'll, it'll, there should be some extra. One of my favorite stories I tell people even out here is the time that you made an entire roaster full of beef stew for like six people. It wasn't for six people. We were expecting a bigger crowd at hunting. That's one of the things that I used to make, made that several times. And I'm going to give this away. My secret ingredient to my beef stew is V8. Oh, that is a good secret. You put a little V8 juice in there. That gives it a little bit of flavor. That That's my secret ingredient that I always put in my uh, beef stew. Do you have any secret ingredients for chili? Uh, no, I am not the chili maker. Your mom's a chili maker. That's true. Uh, and uh, we have put together a white chili recipe that we, we have uh, now that... Uh, and the kind of our secret ingredient in our white chili is we use rotisserie roasted chicken instead of just uh, fried, just a chicken breast and cook it up and fry because that rotisserie chicken just gives it just a little more flavor. I, I love a rotisserie chicken. I buy one like once a month. Yeah, cut it up, shred, you know, chop it up and uh, put that in your white chili. It'll give it a little bit different flavor. I, I nice, abs- nice roasted type flavor. That's delicious. Are you going to get Janet to make her famous uh, chicken Alfredo lasagna? I don't know if she's going to make chicken Alfredo lasagna, but uh, I'm hoping she makes uh, wild rice soup. Now, she'll probably make uh, her wild rice soup for the wildlife feed. That's one thing that she often makes. And uh, I know um, her husband got a pheasant, so maybe there'll be some pheasant in that. That would be delicious. Are you going to get mom to make special K bars? Mom, I don't think is going to make special cake bars this weekend, but she's made um, she's made uh, monster cookie bars. Ooh, people like those too. Yeah, and uh, yep, and your mom's going to put together some bars for the wildlife feed for next weekend. Um, so, yeah, your mom's an excellent bar maker. She uh, um, her sour cream raisin bars are always a hit, uh, as well as her special K bars or. Scotcheroos, as some people will call them. And they will call them incorrectly. 
uh, but uh, probably my favorite bar that she makes is her sour cream raisin bars, but those do not go very well with my diabetes. Uh, oh, I so, suppose they don't. Yeah. yeah. So, because I'm prone to want to eat them. <laughs> so, no. Uh, but yeah, so uh, over the years we've made, you know, that kind of stuff. We used to make a lasagna all the time. And the uh, last few years I made uh, chicken enchiladas and beef enchiladas. Oh, yeah, you have. like those. So I started making big pans of enchiladas, uh, probably more than we needed. Because uh, obviously it wasn't many people hunting as it was. But do you remember the year that I made those little... Um, they were like sl- what people call sliders today, but they were uh, made with Pillsbury grands. And I cut the grands and I fried up the hamburger and bacon. And I crumbled the bacon and folded them up and put cheese in there, uh, baked them in the oven. So they were I, like little pita pocket things of uh, bacon cheeseburgers. I do remember that. And that was amazing. And uh, I think we made about, you know, probably, oh, three dozen or something to start with because, you know, we were figuring there's going to be, you know, probably about 15 people there to start with. And then there was uh, got to be a bunch more people there. So then mom and Janet, I think ran to Tallman got more, more grams. And I, I bet we made close to 75 of those babies that day. Cause I'd made a bunch up ahead of time, but yeah, problem. They're so easy to eat. You know, you cook them ahead and then you just warm them up and then, it's like eating a mini cheeseburger. And you can't count how many you've eaten. That's the same problem I had with pizza that's cut into squares. Yeah. I have no idea how much I've eaten. Well, and they're so small, you can eat like, you know, numerous of them before you're full. So, yeah, that was kind of fun that day. We ended up uh, making a mass amount of those babies. The last time Allie and I drove home, uh, I had that same problem where I made about, I don't know, at least two dozen uh, summer sausage sandwiches. Uh I sent her with four or so into her car and I drove a different car. And by the time I got to Chicago, all the sandwiches were gone. Oh, I'm not sure who the culprit was there, but I'm pretty sure it was me. Yeah. It sounds like you were indulging. I Uh, I definitely had too many sandwiches. How about the number one every Sunday opening weekend? This was the number one dish that was always made by grandma. Well, it's definitely going to be dumpling soup. Absolutely. Grandma's dumpling soup. That I mean, that was a tradition that, I mean, from the time I started hunting there with your mom before we were married and stuff, I, I think we had dumpling soup probably every every Sunday and that, that opening weekend. And that was all, everybody was always there, you know. Uh, Grandpa always liked having everybody around and Grandma cooked up a storm and your mom helped her. And when Janet wasn't hunting, she helped her, you know, cause those ladies, I mean, there's got to be a lot of people around, you know, in the earlier years, um, you know, hunting. So, but yeah, that was always a delicious thing. And, you know, grandma made that even up to the last uh, year or so before she went uh, off the farm. So now grandma's... that's where your, your sister Paige learned how to make her dumplings is making that. So are they good? Can she make them yeah, as well? She, Paige is a pretty good dumpling ma- dumpling maker. Good. I like to hear that. Yeah, uh, so that was always a, a favorite. You'd cut up lots of cabbage and uh, and stuff and put in there and carrots and, oh, wow. Rutabaga? Rutabaga was cut up and put in there. Allie and I were talking about Grandma's dumpling soup today, actually. This is the time of year that everybody, I think, thinks about it. And it's exciting that Paige has passed that tradition on. Yeah, she knows how to make the dumplings. 
the the next thing that I just have to say about just grandma in general is her meatballs. We're talking oh. about things made in mass quantity. Yeah. Meatballs, mashed potatoes, and gravy. She makes the best gravy. She really does. Um, I, I've tried to make gravy for years, you know, even way back in the restaurant years. Um, and to this date, and your mom's tried to make gravy, and I'll speak for myself. I am not a very good gravy maker. Your, your mom's getting better at it, but I don't know what I don't do right. But, wow, your grandma could make gravy out of, like, virtually nothing in the in the pan and it was always delicious but yeah that was another thing that was always at the farm during deer hunting was meatballs mashed potatoes gravy i love the meatballs oh love meatballs but before we get to the mailbag session i just wanted to hear you talk about your moose for a few minutes that was an enjoyable hunt yeah you were along for that you know and uh lots of friends along and that in north dakota you know north dakota people will know this they're in hunting that's a once in a lifetime draw that's a lottery you only get once in a lifetime tag and uh, I might manage to get a tag and uh, got a very nice bull moose uh, for North Dakota. Uh, so you were along and some neighbors, Wayne Stegman and your uncle Jay and Greg Paulstead and Gabers. And, you know, we based our hunting out of Mr. Paulstead, our neighbor's place up there by Munich and uh, got got blessed to get one yeah uh, exciting hunt and ever since I've been a, a, a moose fanatic I, I love moose and you guys have a moose nativity scene we, we do have a moose nativity scene you're Which absolutely is, correct and it, it is on display year round I, I like that you leave it up all year round yeah um, well it was it was really fun. The, the craziest part about that is that Trevor Tyler and I went up with Mr. Gaber uh, earlier in that morning, and you were at Coach's Corner because we'd won the homecoming game the night before. Yeah, and... I had an upset victory, and then uh, and then uh, so yeah, they wanted me on Coach's Corner, and then found out from you guys that there was a moose up there, and we found him. <laughs> So I'll tell that part of the story because we, and when I say we, I mean me, am standing like 250 yards from this moose that's ripping apart a uh, a shelter belt. And it's not necessarily terrifying, but it's not the most comfortable feeling. Because if you've ever been near a moose, you know they don't care, correct? No, they don't care. They are the boss. They are not afraid. Um, I didn't have a gun. Though I don't think most generally run over fourteen-year-old boys or sixteen-year-old boys, um, but it was an it was an amazing thing to watch. And then you yep. got there and took one shot and it was down. It was over. Yep. It was a very quick. It was two days, correct? Yeah, it was the second day because, like, the first day I hunted and didn't see anything and came back and coached that football game, like you say, and we'd won an exciting homecoming game and uh, kind of an upset victory, and so. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was the second day and uh, took him up to Langdon to uh, to get it, um, you know, uh, processed. And we stopped at the Dairy Queen there. And remember, there were some duck hunters from Pennsylvania or something. They were just in awe because we had the little blue pickup at that time. The <laughs> Ranger, so he really looked big in the back of the Blue Ranger. <laughs> that was a very fun hunt. Is that your favorite hunting memory? 
that's got to be right up there with one of my favorite hunting memories. Yep. Yeah. That's got to be right there. Yeah. I would yeah. say that. Yeah. That was fun. Um, we got it. We got the canoe story coming up later in the podcast. That's definitely one of them. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be some, there'll be some blooper talk from Jamie and Robin. Oh, um, I'm sure. They have some questions. And then my first year was also pretty exciting, at least for me. Yes, it was. Um, you know, I think mean, it was a second year. Cause the first one I don't think was a buck. The second one we shot, was in the valley by the uh old gravel pit there yep that was very exciting yeah it was and the first one you got over by phil's corral that was a dole in your youth season that was a long shot too that's right phil's corral i love phil's corral yep yeah and there's a lot of snow seems like there was snow early that year there was and there was absolutely no chance that i didn't slip and fall on my face at phil's corral ever that definitely (laughs) never happened okay it's probably when uh Jamie and Robin get involved. They're going to be talking about Mr. Thompson, you know, their uncle Gerald falling occasionally. That that is, there are questions. Yes. So, do you have <laughs> anything to say? Anything else to talk about before we get the mailbag? Uh, let's see. No, I don't think so. Let's let's get to the mailbag. See what we got. Right. So, this is our first ever actual mailbag section of the podcast, and we got uh, several people writing in. So the, the first one will, will come from uh, is from Alex. Alex, okay. and also Paige wants to know what's your favorite snack in the car. Oh, my favorite snack in the car. Whenever deer hunting. Well, yep. Uh, deer hunting comes shortly after Halloween, so it used to be having candy bars in the in, in the the pickup. So that's always good. Uh, that's that's got to be one of my favorite leftover candy bars from uh, from Halloween. You're uh, famous for Snickers, correct? You guys get yeah, Snickers. We always used to hand out Snickers for for uh, Halloween, so we'd have leftover Snickers. We always uh, wanted to make sure we had lots on hand. You know how it is. We always want to have extra, so <coughs> we used to always have Snickers. And then sometimes it would freeze, you know, because it was cold, so it'd be frozen. And frozen Snickers, uh, that was always good in deer hunting. Uh, yeah, some candy bars. I like those. So Alex would also like to know about the time we needed the canoe. Yes, uh, we were hunting down there with my kind of my favorite spot down there by the river, and uh, this buck got up out of the peninsula there, and first he ran out into the pasture, and I passed him up, and then he ran back into the woods, the trees, and. Um, swam across the river there and the river you know was only what was it 10 yards wide maybe if it's that <laughs> wide yeah. yeah not very wide there you know um uh and usually it was frozen but it wasn't frozen that year and he stopped on top across there and i shot once and dropped him there and so being the wise guys we were you know he knew where he had dropped right there and and stuff uh instead of trying to walk across the river or walking all the way around, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd have to walk to a bridge, basically, around and drag him up a hill. We thought, well, you know, the river's open; it's not very high. We'll go to the farm and get the canoe. And so we took the canoe, and uh, Alex and I, you guys, we got the canoe down there, and Alex and I took the canoe across and uh, loaded him in the canoe and paddled like three paddles back across the the river you know like three cat three canoe widths or whatever 
It was definitely uh, was exciting, though. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, it was uh, made for a good story. Yeah, and so we had him in the canoe, and uh, uh, and everyone knows that I'm not the you know guy that loves water the most. So that's uh, correct. So it was something. Uh, however, the river was probably not very deep. <laughs> I would still definitely have not wanted you to get in that water in any way. No, it was cold. Uh, so, yeah, we got him in there, and we didn't tip over the canoe or anything and uh, paddled across, and you guys helped us drag him up to the underneath the fence, and that was it. That was good. Instead <laughs> of going way up around and trying to walk all the way down through the hills and uh, drag him up there, so. It was a success. It was a success. It was good. It was fun to have a picture of it on the on the refrigerator yet. That's a that's a good picture. I've seen that. Yes, it is a very good picture. Yeah, so it was uh makes for a good story and fun, you know, everybody together. That's the biggest thing about hunting, you know, is everybody getting together, you know, there was lots of people around and it's really a social event, you know what I mean? Correct. Uh, everybody's around and visiting, you see people, even when you're out hunting, you see people that you haven't seen for a year and you can visit with them, but used to be you know the families always were together and that was always the the big fun thing was you know having everybody there and and being together and sharing the camaraderie you know just a a big family event i I agree it's a very it's a very fun family event um vobe you know who vobe is yeah vobe wants to know what are your three favorite north dakota towns with less than 500 people Oh, my three favorite towns with less than 500 people. Okay, this is a trying question. Okay, less than 500 people, three favorite towns. Well, Pekin has to be in that that conversation. Not very many people in Pekin. Correct. Leroy has to be in there. Leroy has a lot less than 500 people. (laughs) Leroy probably isn't even a city anymore. No, definitely not a city. Uh, Let's see what else is out there for less than five hundred. Okay. Hmm. Where's Chizzy's located? Chizzy's is located in Leroy. That's in Leroy. Okay, great. Yep. Um, Mountain. I like Mountain. That's, oh. that's about three three little five hundred or less uh, communities. I'm impressed how quickly you answered that question. That was uh, that was a tricky question. Put me on the spot there. I like that you went low on population too. I did. I, I could see you from, from 1,500 miles away. I could see your brain working because you didn't want to pick someplace that was close to 500 people. Yeah, because you guys would have been all over me. Everybody would have had the 2020 census out and said, oh, he doesn't know his North Dakota geography anymore. <laughs> I, I very well done on that one. He also wants to know if you were to fend for yourself on a Friday at the Drayton Sea Store, would you go with a smash hit sub or a hot stuff pizza? Well, they don't have hot stuff pizza anymore at the Drayton uh, C store there they got wingman pizza so i would go with uh they've got like fried chicken now i'd go with the fried chicken there now you do love fried chicken yep and they have like uh mojo potatoes kind of or potato wedges you know they're roasted yep those are good too I, i'd go with the chicken and the uh the potato wedges I, I one time brought you to a popeyes here in northern virginia and your face was pure ecstasy it was i loved it there's only one Popeyes in North Dakota, and your mom and I were down in uh, uh, Fargo here <laughs> a week or so ago, and we almost went there to eat. Uh, I would I would steer clear of that one. 
I don't well, we know did. that it's, we have it's, eaten there though. We have eaten at it. Is it as good? Well, yeah, I, I guess so. It's hard for us to tell, you know. Our nearest, you know, we don't get a lot of Popeyes food, so oh, I, I have introduced several people to Popeyes here in Virginia, and I, I love it. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's good. So your daughter Paige would like to know what is the price of ammo like now versus when you started. It's also an economic oh. question, so good for you, good for her, and good for you. Yeah, it is. I don't even want to guess how much. Chase, uh, probably four times as much, probably. Not counting inflation. No, it's it's considerably more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what does a box uh, of shells I'd cost? Say, I'd say f- three to four times as much as it used to be. What does a box of shells cost now? About thirty bucks. Yeah, that sounds about to twenty nine. That um, is a lot more. Yeah. So Robin and Jamie both would like to know. Um, Robin said specifically. Should you ever make fun of the fence you're about to cross? Never. You should never make fun of the fence you're about to cross. You should never say, oh, look at this fence is falling down. You should probably fix it because inevitably you're going to catch your boot on it and fall flat on your face. Now, I think the direct quote is fan- was, was look at this fancy job fencing. Yeah, it was, it was probably some sarcastic remark that I shouldn't have made. And the fence got the best of me. It, it did, but I, I won't begrudge you because I have fallen over many a times. There was a time that I kept sliding down the hill. Yes. That wasn't great. Didn't feel like it was my fault, but uh, that, that was not fun. I did not enjoy that. I kind of enjoyed it. What, yeah. what are you going to do? The, you know, that grass on that side hill would get snowy and slippery. And yeah, you tried to walk on there and you just <laughs> gradually slide down. Good thing I, there was lots of trees there. And, and Jamie basically said the same thing best way to cross a fence um any suggestions there uh make sure your gun is unloaded put down you know wipe down give it to somebody else uh and depending on if you're tall enough to step over it somebody holds it down a little bit step over it uh or else crawl under it you know um Way on your belly and slide underneath it, but you know, don't ever cross with your gun. Uh, and if it's electric fence, make sure it's not on or you don't touch it. Yeah, that's not fun. Getting electrocuted by the fence is not not oh. fun. So, uh, so yeah, I I, oh, go ahead. You sometimes need help crossing fences, especially as you get older. Yeah, they're uh, hard to get around. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, now now a good plan is like uh, find the gate. <laughs> find the gates a great that's great advice for people of all ages yeah the last two questions i have from are from my wife Allie. uh so she wants to know what would it take for you to shoot a deer on the first weekend oh your mother <laughs> is dying laughing tell her tell Allie that she is in a good spot there because your mom is laughing at that it would have to be pretty big uh yeah i uh I do enjoy <laughs> making the most of my time hunting, and uh, your mom has maintained this for many years that it's just not going to happen on opening weekend. She almost thinks I shouldn't go opening weekend because I'm not going to shoot anyway. But <laughs> one year, one time, one day, maybe there'll be one there that on opening day or opening weekend that that I, I think I should take. 
Mom, are you but there? it's all about for me. It's about going there, having fun, and seeing people, you know, and enjoying getting out. So, absolutely. Is, is oh, mom yeah, there? It would be awful tough to take one on the first day. Is mom there? She can she hear us? Oh yeah, your mom's sitting here. Mom, what'd you think of that question? <laughs> your mom thought that was a good one. She's still laughing. All right. The final question I have is: When did you get out your box? This is again from Allie. When did you get out your box of long johns? And how big of an ordeal was it? AKA, did Patty find it? Ah, here's the deal. No, I just got them out yesterday. I had, well, I have them. <laughs> I have some spread around. I have some in the third drawer of the dresser on the bottom, a green pair. And then in the closet, top shelf in your room, I had two pair there with some green hunting pants and some uh, tan hunting pants. So I've got I've got them got them located. Uh, Mom didn't have to help me. I also have some at the farm in uh, Tupperware or not, you know, like a plastic Tupperware container. So I've, very... I've got a lot of them. I I don't know what the object is of having that many pairs of long underwear, but uh, some are heavier than others. You definitely have lots of clothing options for deer hunting. You've had that for a lot of years, but you've got lots of options. I've got lots of options. Uh, why don't you ask me how many pairs of socks I found in my um, little hunting bag? How many pairs of socks did you find? Six. That's enough pairs of hunting socks. Uh, yeah, that's the ones I have at Drayton. Not including the ones that are at the farm in the Tupperware containers. Because I have three Tupperware containers at the farm of clothing. <laughs> I think I think that's what Allie was really was really talking about was your Tupperware containers full of clothing that it's 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 kind of well known in our house that when you're looking for something mostly it's mom's job. Yeah, yep, that is absolutely <laughs> true. Okay. I have to ask like uh, where would that be, and she usually knows where it is. So yeah, she's definitely the keeper of the stuff. The same things in my house. So when sometimes I'll be holding something and I'll be asked to put it away, and I say, well, where does it go? I'm still terrible at putting the right uh, cooking utensil into the right drawer. I have trouble with a couple utensils yet. Uh, maybe we need more drawers. I don't know. <laughs> it might be time. All right. We're, we're at about an hour now. I don't have anything else, any more questions for you. Anything else you'd like to say before, before I let you go? No, I think that's good. Uh, the fact that, you know, hunting was always, you know, just like a, a great get together with family and made great memories. And, uh, that's what, uh, always fun to share it with like, uh, you know, the family. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the podcast today. Cause I can't be there this year. So I wanted to bring, uh, the joy that we've had hunting growing up to the people uh, that listen to the podcast. All right. Well, that's a good idea. All right. I will talk to you guys again soon. Say hello to mom. My, hi mom. Hi James. Love you. Says Love hello. You Say hello to Allie too. I will do that. All right. We'll talk to you guys again soon. All right. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. I'd like to thank my dad for coming on and being my guest. My mom for laughing in the background at the very end at Allie's question. Next week on the podcast, we have uh, my wife's good friend from high school, Jordan. Allie, what's the podcast about next week? And her new album? Well, it's her version of red, 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 red. <laughs> yeah. So Allie's going to also help me guest host that with her good friend from high school, Jordan. So if you're looking forward to the re-release of Taylor Swift's red album, uh, look for the preview next week on the podcast. Thanks everybody. And remember 
you want to send a voice message, you can just text me and tell me not to answer your phone and then call and leave a voice message and I'll record it and put it on the podcast. Just those quick four steps. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hello, James. Hey, you're there. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's exactly what we'll do tomorrow. All right. So just let me know when you get in and I'll send you that text. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. Okay. Thank you for your help. Yep. See you, Mom. Bye. Love you. Love, love you. you. Bye. Bye.